0: Welcome to On Scene First. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. With over 25 years in public safety, I am wicked excited and honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of -of out-of-the-box thinking with the latest and greatest must-have technology tools and mental health resources to save lives on both sides of the call. Before we get started, a special thank you to our premier sponsor, RapidSOS. As a trusted public safety data partner and the creators of the world's first emergency response data platform, RapidSOS is sharing critical data with first responders like myself to get us the information we need to save lives and property. To learn how you can become RapidSOS ready and better protect the ones you love, visit RapidSOS.com and tell them Tracy sent you. Now, on with the show. Hey, friends. Welcome to episode 15. Today my guest is Brad Shepard. Brad is the CEO of the Warriors Rest Foundation. The Warriors Rest Foundation works together to help build resiliency for first responders, their partners, and their families to foster healthy, professional, and personal lives. After many years serving on the Oklahoma Highway Patrol, Brad has now dedicated his life to serving those who serve others. All right, Brad Shepard. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm wicked excited to have you here. Um, I, I gave you your intro, but I want folks to hear in your own words who you are and how you got into public safety. What role did you play? What are you doing today? And and how did you get here?
1: Good morning, Tracy. Thanks for the invite. This is super exciting to be a part of your uh, part of your podcast and. Uh, I love what you're doing there. I love the difference you're making. Uh, I love your, uh, I love your phrase. Uh, you shotgun blast this information. you are just telling who all uh, it makes a difference in, right? So uh, communications, frontline officers, firefighters. Uh, EMS, there's a there's a whole slew of people out here who need our message. So um, that being said, uh, my name is Brad Shepard. I am a 25 year uh, retired veteran of the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. I did 25 years, eight months, three days, and about six and a half hours with the state agency <laughs> of uh, being a trooper. Uh, I retired as a captain. Uh, but i actually retired happy i love what i did uh, i loved being a trooper in the state of oklahoma uh, but i had a really dark chapter there i had several years of uh, really fighting through uh, some traumatic experiences which is why i do what i do now and i think we'll get into that a little bit later but oh we sure uh, will i actually uh, was a farm kid in western oklahoma uh, grew up uh driving tractors and singing country music songs by big old headphones back in the day and uh, had no family whatsoever in law enforcement, none. Uh, but what I realized when I was going to college was that uh, uh, our farm would not support two families. Uh, when my first class of agriculture and economics uh, brought me to the realization that holy cow, I gotta look for a different occupation. Uh, Quite frankly, it was a uh, spiritual endeavor uh, that brought me to uh, law enforcement. It was a a, uh, praying, an act of praying, an endeavor of faith to say, uh, where should I go and what should I do? And uh, my spirituality is a big part of who I am and what I do. However, that took me to law enforcement. My first job was Oklahoma Highway Patrol. I started when I was 23. Uh, and, uh, my wife of 29 years, which is, uh, an amazing woman. Her name's Dina and I have two boys, 26 and 24 years old now. Uh, she entered into this realm with me. We, we, uh, just jumped headlong into this law enforcement career, uh, and never looked back and had an absolutely amazing time. Uh, my, my, my career was, was fascinating Uh, I just never said no I was all over the place (laughs) I ended up being a honor guard guy a SWAT guy a bomb full-time bomb squad guy Uh, I was with homeland security for a while special operations Um, I really actually had the opportunity to do some some pretty dynamic things and do some do some crazy things Uh, the 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 fun part of my story where really people set up and pay attention is when I start talking about getting kicked out of three different units in my career. I'm going to need
0: to know about those. (laughs) Right,
1: right. We're going to talk about those. So uh, running my mouth when I, I, I just couldn't keep my anger contained. So I just run my mouth and, and make everybody mad and, and, I, cannot,
0: uh, I cannot I cannot picture you being angry.
1: That's oh, I, yeah, I, I trust me. That's <laughs> that's, a, that's a big part of my story. Uh, okay, but, we'll
0: get into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of my career. Uh, the 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 chapter two, uh, there's multiple level sub chapters within that uh, Oklahoma patrol. But uh, chapter two, or the current chapter that I'm in is I retired. Uh, buddy of mine and I built a nonprofit foundation, 501c3 public charity, to uh, actually do what we love uh, on a daily basis. We built Warriors Rest Foundation. Uh, you can look us up online, WarriorsRestFoundation.org. You can find us on Facebook, Warriors Rest Foundation, uh, Instagram. I know I'm. I know I'm, I'm cheapening the podcast here, but I'm- putting No, my-
0: no, 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 my friend. Right? I think, I think so, you know me well enough now to know that the reason I'm doing this is to get out any and all resources to help our folks, right? How absolutely. can we save the people out there if we can't take care of our own people, right? So you you tell us where, you, where they can find you all over the place.
1: Absolutely love it. And what's great about that website is that you can actually ju- use that to- uh, to actually connect with us if you're in a time of need. If you're, if you're really hurting or you need help, uh, that is actually what we do. And, and again, we'll get into the uh, more of that in the detail yes. here a little bit and tell you some of the absolutely wonderful uh, things we're doing. We're really moving the needle on some agencies across the nation. Uh, but Where's Rest Foundation uh, was, was part of the next chapter for coming out of law enforcement uh, and really having, again, that calling uh, of being able to do what we do, but uh, Warriors Rest. Did I talk about Warriors Rest yet, uh, Tracy No, no. no.
0: On, Why don't you podcast. tell us about Warriors Rest?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm do. I'm I'm just taking off here. So good. Warriors Rest Foundation is a uh, three mission uh, based nonprofit. Our first mission is to actually build peer support teams. Uh, we use ICI staff instruction as a as a baseline model for that, which is. Uh, pretty much, the critical incident stress management is a uh, common platform across the country uh, for crisis intervention. Uh, there are th- some other types, but we uh, we know that if we use that as a platform, uh, most of the people are talking the same language. Uh, but but in addition to putting peer support teams together, we give them uh, proactive things to do, which is talking about having conversations about suicide or substance abuse or relationships or uh, financial success. Uh, Instead of just doing the reactive piece, we want them also doing the proactive piece of, of, of peer support teams. That's mission one. Mission two is actually providing wellness trainings and presentations all across the country for anybody that'll have us. And then uh, pillar three of our mission is actually doing peer support response. Uh, We uh, get a lot of calls from people all across the country. That could either be phone calls that we make uh, in return and saying, hey, how's it going? How can we help you? We can do resources, connecting them. And then actual physical loading people up and responding to an event. Uh, We've had uh, uh, the last six months has been really, really busy on that platform there's a lot of people out there needing help and they're recognizing even those with really good peer support teams they're recognizing even those people could use a little hand once in a while uh it's been pretty recent that uh we responded to an agency that had uh, two suicides and a line of duty death within 60 days oh my Uh, goodness I put a team down there to just just come alongside their team and say hey well let's 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 love on you let's let's breathe some life back into you let's take an opportunity just to just to practice what we preach and, and get this outside perspective of uh hey we're not in this alone uh we really want to take an opportunity to practice our own good self-care which means bringing somebody else in to have these conversations uh that's what that's a big part of what we uh, are doing currently trainings putting peer teams together trainings and then responding so that's what warrior's rest uh foundation actually does there's a lot more components that we do subcategory to that but that's the big picture of who we are and what we're doing
0: and it it's amazing so i met you through our dear friend lisa porch love 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 that woman um when i first started teaching well so i'm gonna ask this question you have to know tony harrison Do do. do you know okay so i teach for tony and I remember I've been teaching for Tony for about 10 years now. And one of my biggest mentors, he knows that. And I went to the my first APCO national conference and I was in the booth and that's where I met Lisa. And from that moment on, it was like, we just had this connection and it was like an instant connection and she became family. There's no question about that. And she reached out to me and she's like, hey girl, I got to connect you with, with Brad and, and we jumped on the call and I just remember she was just sitting there and, and I'm like, you know, you and I have very similar personalities. I I think, I mean, this is what okay. I've come to the conclusion yeah. where it's like, we just want to help everybody and it doesn't matter how we do it. It doesn't matter how much we put on our plate. It doesn't, you know, it's while we know that at some point we have to do things that make money to support our families. A lot of the things that we yeah. do, that's not even the issue. Right? so. I remember being on this call and you and I are just like ba 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 and she's just sitting back on the Zoom call like not saying anything and I'm like oh Lisa you can help us with this and she's like nope i'm leaving all that to you guys like i just needed to make the connection and then watch you two kind of run with with this relationship and you know you have and i don't know if you know this but as I was going through my challenges over the last couple of months, you just randomly send me messages, and you know were really uh, a super helpful support for me during that time. So I just want to say thank you for that. Clearly, you're good at what you do. Um, but well,
1: let me offer up uh, if I can if I can interject right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two, two, two things, uh, Lisa, being an amazing human being, is still uh, she she. She would actually probably be upset for me even bringing this up, but she is still very helpful to us. Now she volunteers on a lot of levels with her her area of expertise, which is this really in the weeds detail uh, uh, forms uh a l- lot of little things that i can just pick up the phone and say hey would you be interested in this yeah i can get to that this weekend yeah or, i don't ooh, do
0: forms either i don't i don't do tasks right? like you yeah, know no and that's oh, why oh i my. said we're so much alike
1: <laughs> lisa hey can you do this i need help with this i need this, this is, I'm, I'm i'm like this big picture and she's like right here i'll take care of it uh she's an amazing human being and uh the other side of that is uh i absolutely love that you, you introduce that into the conversation, because it's been uh, my pleasure to be able to offer up any kind of uh, assistance with you in this uh, last uh, most recent chapter of yours. So
0: yeah, uh, and I, th- I, th- I think it's one of the things that I've learned is that it is okay to reach out. It is okay to share your struggle. Um, I know that there are folks out there that think, oh, you you share too much, like, why do you share so much? Uh, if you saw the inbox messages that I receive from people who are at the end of their rope and they don't think they can hold on anymore um, and they share that I have helped them and it it just, it, it helps you know that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And then the other flip side is I've had people ask me and it's weird, it's weird that I don't know. I, I guess it's human nature, but I've had people ask me the question, like if you're promoting other companies, doing what you're doing, isn't that like you're, you're sharing your competition. And my response always to that, cause I do wellness training. I do, you know, I mental health training, but you have a spot on my website and why do you have a spot on my website? Because I believe in the mission and what you're doing for our first responders. Wouldn't I be a big fat hypocrite if I was like, Oh, I want you to get help, but you can only get help from me. Like, no, that's, that's not how it works. I think the message, um, Jim Marshall said to me the other day, and I don't know if this is like his profound words or, or he heard it somewhere, but, you know i was i was struggling with some things in jim marshall from the 91 training institute and where i was feeling a little overwhelmed with the things that were going on he said you are not the medium you're Ooh. the message and i was like whoa that was deep because in my mind it's like yeah we can all be doing very similar things we can be doing podcasts like I want to help you with your podcast so i want to talk about that like maybe later and you know have you dropped some hints about what you guys are thinking with your podcast but i want to help you with your podcast i want to i want to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes that i make because the words that are going to come out of the people that you have on yours are going to do exactly what my mission is too so supporting each other is is super super huge
1: you know i love that you bring that up that the the uh Those that want to help uh, often thinks that they're the only ones that can help, uh, or they get in their own way and say, I want to help all. Uh, When the reality is, uh, and I I love this concept that you're talking about, the reality is uh, we just need the opportunity to pave the way for those who can help. Uh, There's never really any way of knowing uh if it's you or i even though we are i believe too that we're very like-minded and similar personality uh but somebody may be more in tune with speaking with you than me
0: right Uh,
1: and you have to be uh very well aware uh to be able to say you know what they're connecting with tracy i need to just back out of this and a really good example recently i have actually teams on deployment right now and, and Uh, i can't i can't necessarily say where i can't advertise where but but i actually have some teams on deployment now and recently i was with them uh and i i had made a connection with there was there was three of us there was two of uh, a team member of mine me and a guy uh from this agency and we were sitting having this conversation uh and i felt like i was really striking up something uh my partner's name uh vince uh vince was there uh, and he was kind of taking a backseat role and all of a sudden they made this military connection well i wasn't in the military okay we we're all kind of having this kumbaya session and next thing you know vince and this guy were just really like oh
0: uh-huh, you know having
1: this session of like i'm i need to just like do this i need to back out right uh, that's exactly what i did and and oftentimes our 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 own egos a little bit get in the way of this need to fill. I know it's that helper need. It's that check that box. I'm a yeah. I'm a helper, and it and it's there's a whole you know hormonal dump that happens when when we do that. And it makes <laughs> us uh but oftentimes it's not us. It's putting other people in the place to be successful. Uh And many times I love where you're going with this because th- there is so many people out there to help, why would we think that it's just us that, that, that are the only ones that can help them? Uh, it takes the Tracy's and it takes the uh, Vicky Newman's and the Randy Sutton's and the uh, Doug Mondas and the, you know, these people out there that are, you know what, there's enough, there's enough help for everybody. It was told to me when I started Warriors Rest Foundation, it was told to me this, they said, what was your end goal? And I said, "Well, my end goal is to build this business to where we're helping everybody." And the, and and what came back to me was, "Your end goal is you should work yourself out of a job. You should work yourself out of a job to where there's not a need for you anymore." And I had never thought of it in that way. Of how can we how can we help everybody enough to where there actually is not a, a mental hurt, there's not an emotional hurt. Uh, but the, but conceptually, I thought that that you know uh, the reality is that probably will never happen. But What a a concept,
0: you know? So the irony is that, that what you just said. So yesterday, so I have a, a, a super close friend, Carl Waggett. Uh, he is the host of the, uh, PTSD bunker gear for your brain podcast. He was actually my first introduction to listening to podcasts when I was in probably my darkest of dark places. Um, Carl I stumbled, I was looking for resources. Like I was, there. There's, I think there's a couple of different types of people when it comes to PTSD and mental health is, is you just don't do anything or you're gonna try to find all the tools in the toolbox. And I'm the one that's gonna try to find all the tools in the toolbox. And, and he was actually that first tool for me where I stumbled upon his podcast. He's been super helpful for me. I wanted to find a place where I could build a community for mental health. And I will tell you that my trauma brain talks me out of a lot of things. And that's just given nature, right? To find this place for a community, I didn't know what it looked like. And and Carl had a uh, Zoom party as he calls it. And we talked about support groups and stuff. And I just thought it was ironic. Well, I went to bed and I woke up at 2 a.m. and I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm going to create it's just a facebook group but if you want to join um it's it's on scene first safe t net safe hyphen t hyphen net and this is how my f- silly little brain works i'm like oh the big t in the middle that's me tracy like i'm in the middle right i'm i'm like bringing all these things together and then the net is building my network of people to keep them safe and i'm like that's it that's it and and i and i by 6 a.m. I got the Facebook page going, but I called Carl during the day in the morning and I'm like, Carl, I'm like, I want to do this, but I'm freaking out. And like all of these different things are going through my head. And he asked me the question that was similar to what you had. And, and it was what does what does success look like to you in this? Like, like what is success? Do you, do you want to make money? Do you want to build a following? Do you want to? And. And when somebody asks you a question like that, you're like, whoa, I I didn't even, I didn't really think about what it looks like past today. And my answer, you know, very, very similar is, I just wanna help people. Like whatever that looks like, I just wanna help people. And I think sometimes people, I think sometimes folks don't understand when you have a personality like mine, like yours, and like so many out of Carl and and my friend jean Yi, who's out there doing similar um, with uh, PTSD Truth Behind the Smile, there's so many people out there that are just really trying to help people, and it's it's good when we all come together and we are all saying, you know what? I I was in uh, Carl's Zoom room the other day. And I spoke and I said, you know, I'm an advocate for, for and telecommunicators. And one of the guys, Rob, who, who had done the presentation in there had reached out to me and he's like, I, I never even thought about the dispatcher. Like it, it didn't. And so when we have these opportunities, if I have a relationship or, or a police officer reaches out to me and he's struggling, I'm going to help to the basic level, but then I'm going to point him over to you because there might be things that I just can't. I I I can't I can't even fake that right.
1: No, that's a that's a great point, a great perspective. Uh, one of the one of the uh, important points of Warrior Stress Foundation is there's a group of five of us that, that are the core members that built this. So our clinical director, which is Kathy Thomas, and her she her, she has a fascinating story that goes that origin the origins of her serving the first responder community uh, derive out of the ashes of. Uh, the Murrah Building bombing in Oklahoma in 1995, yeah. uh, and then from that she has had a tremendous influence over the the remaining four core members, which is Brett Key and I, who are co-founders of Warrior's Uh Brett has an amazing story that that of, of trauma. Gary Berryhill uh, is our director of operations, uh, retired U.S. Marshal who ran the uh, U.S. Marshals Peer Support Program, uh, and then Gary Isbell. Uh, who is still an instructor for us, but has disengaged a little bit as, as to the full on needs of that. But the reason I bring those five up is to your point, Tracy, is every one of those, we have figured out that we each have our own personality lane uh, within this. Uh, and uh, mine is, is like this, you know, coming in, I love the analogy you use of kind sliding into home base, like, woo! you know, and, and uh, just, just doing big picture, meet and greet, let's connect, let's do all this. Uh, My co-founder Brett is a very much in the weeds, uh, seeing all the details. Um, Kathy being the clinical side, Gary being uh, running peer team builds. There's just so much uh, that that you need to connect with to fulfill what is really happening here because the sooner you can recognize you can't do it all yourself, the better off the whole, mission is going to be. So I love where you're, I love where you're going with that. And it really gives me the opportunity to enter the rest of my team. Uh, I love my team. Uh, In addition to those five core members, we have now about 40 some odd contractors that we use with us uh, for either peer team builds uh, or connecting with uh, trainings and presentations or actually response. Uh, The team I have on the ground right now, there's six of them. Uh, on the ground that, that and with a team lead uh, that we've sent them out and said, "Hey, go change lives. Good luck." Uh, all we're doing is finding donors to financially support that and back that, uh, so that we can we can really go make a difference uh, and 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 figure out, to your point, all these different personalities. You just you just put them together and, and say, "Hey, take the egos out of it," and and that's when you really start moving the needle on uh, making a difference in people's lives.
0: So, I agree. And if somebody out there, uh, <laughs> I remember when I, you know, all these tools that I put in my, my toolbox, when I was getting ready to leave the nine one one center, um, I was one of those people that was like, I need a sign, I need an, I need a sign to know that this is the right thing. Like that, that I'm supposed to do. How do I know if I'm supposed to leave the nine one one? I need a sign. I need a sign. And I watched, I remember watching a video from Brendan Burchard. So if you're wondering why you should quit your job, um, watch that video because he talks about when you're looking for the sign, like that is actually the sign. The fact that you're looking for the sign, like that's the sign. And I took that piece of information with me and I'm like, again, I never thought of it like that. So I'm not I'm not saying if you're looking for the sign to leave your job, this is it, because that might not be it. I I, I wanna work with you To figure out like are the things that can change in your life that can allow you to stay in the profession that you love. Right. Because I am not about like just throwing in the towel. I did a lot of work and at the end it was it was going to it was either going to be me or or the job. Right. No, I could not
1: agree with you more. What a great what a what a what a great opportunity to talk about next chapter because it's scary. Mm -hmm. Look, transitioning out of a 25 year career onto what I'm doing now uh, was pretty stinking scary because you have so much security in that governmental position. And look, Tracy, I loved what I did. I, I absolutely loved what I did. I me loved it. Uh, I retired at a command level. I had built a command around me of, of, uh, people who worked for me. That was absolutely amazing. I just said, I mean, really fat and sassy feet up saying, uh, I've got it pretty good, but my calling was what I couldn't shut the door on. Right. Yep. I couldn't shut the door. I couldn't turn that off. Uh, which was the calling to say, hey, you've been given a gift to do something more than what you're doing right now. You need to pay attention to it. So you set up and start listening and saying, what wait, what what is that? What what are you, you know, I I, I don't know what that is. I need to, okay, well, there's and there's so many unknowns. There's so many uh, of of how what does this look like? Who's gonna go with me? How am I gonna get fed? How am I gonna pay my bills? How am I gonna do all these different things? Uh, and 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 that's the immediate. Now you start looking downrange, which is, well, who am I going to connect with? Who is actually going to have any faith in me to say, oh, that guy knows what he's talking about? Yeah. And, and then you start looking at, holy shit, uh, do these people really believe in me? Do these people really think that I have anything to bring to the table? Do these people really think that I actually can make a difference? Except then, all of a sudden, Tracy. You actually make a difference in somebody's life. You actually save somebody's life. You actually get a phone call saying, hey, I was actually going to kill myself had you not answered the phone. I was actually going to uh, take my own life had you not got me help. I was actually going to uh, put a gun to my head and pull the trigger uh, you know these stories go on and on and on, and and uh, I made reference to the uh, the wicked awesome I think before we started before we started recording, but but that story is such a great story, right? it's, it's we were teaching, and I, and if I can indulge that story, yes, please, second, please but, do but uh, I have permission to tell this story. And she's fascinating. a uh, uh, human being, a uh, uh, police officer of South Dakota. Uh, we were at a training event and she had had a traumatic experience six months prior to, which involved a, I'll give you the short version of this, but involved a 12 year old girl surviving a fatal crash of her parents, her sister. And they thought she was dead as well, except she came to and started screaming.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: For minutes, yep. somewhere efforts somewhere of 11 minutes uh, this police officer held this young lady's hand uh, as she was screaming, "Just kill me, let me die." These these different things she's recognizing she's the only surviving member of her family, uh, and and now months later, uh, the only the only thing she actually uh, can can come to bear in her mind when she tries to sleep, when she closes. And I call them life pauses, Tracy. I don't know what they actually are, but I call them life pauses. Like when you sit down for a minute, and you just say, "Ah." Oh. You know, and the life pause happens there, and guess what? She's hearing screams. Yep. Right, or she goes in and lays down and falls asleep, or tries to fall asleep. She closes her eyes, and all she can do is hear the screams. Yep. Uh, so there's a therapeutic technique called EMDR that I think is absolutely amazing: eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So when we got a hold of her, we encouraged her to go have a session with a uh, clinician that we knew very well. Uh, with and, and one EMDR session, she came out of that evening. Uh, we got her connected that evening and this is her story. Again, we have permission to tell it the next morning at training, uh, I was doing this big intro, right? Like that's me, big, big personality. <laughs> hey, how's everybody doing? See, and,
0: we're so and, much alike. Right,
1: <laughs> right, right. So let's wake up. Let's, let's, let's do a little song and dance. And I walked over right in front of her and I said, Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? And instead of saying that, I said, how did everybody sleep? And I pointed right at her and she jumped up and she said, I had the first good night's sleep I've had since that event. It was wicked awesome.
0: <laughs> so and two what? things, right? right? You, so the, you mentioned you mentioned EMDR. Yeah. Um, the Those that listen to my podcast know that EMDR saved my life there. There is no question about it. I, I credit Jim Marshall uh, from the training and training institute for that. He had told me about EMDR in, in a training that I did. But at the time, I didn't have the bandwidth. To accept it, I I had remembered hearing about it, um, but when I got to the place where the tools that I had in my toolbox were not working, I said, you know what, maybe I need to try this magic juju, whatever it is. And really? Really? It, it, it's it's crazy. Like yes. it's, and and I, I I'm so glad that you brought it up because any opportunity that I have to talk about my experience with EMDR and and knowing that it has changed the lives of every person I have shared with and that went and did it. So for those that don't know what it is, as Brad said, eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. And and I don't know if folks that do it know that there's two ways that you can actually do it. So the most common way is they either put a light or a finger or something in front of your eyes, eye movement, uh, where your eyes go back and forth. And I will tell you that over the last few years, it should have happened in school. I mean, who are we kidding? I was diagnosed with ADHD. And when I went to this particular therapist, I found her on, and I'm just going to tell folks how I found her because I think this is important. I went on to psychologytoday.com. I put in my zip code. I checked off the filters for trauma and PTSD and EMDR and a whole slew of names came up and I read through every single one of them and I'm like, "Oh, I connect with her. So I emailed the therapist and I said, Hey, this is who I am. Um, and it actually mentioned that she works with first responders. So I'm like, perfect. Right. And I get the email back that says, I'm sorry, I'm not accepting new patients. And I'm like, what, no, I need you. And, and this was key for me. I asked her to recommend someone similar to her. I didn't go back to the drawing board. I didn't go because birds of a feather in their treatment, they flock together, right? So she gives me the name of Caroline, who is my my EMDR therapist, and she is amazing. And I remember walking in the first time and I'm like, all right, listen, I'm not doing the talking thing. I've been doing talk therapy for years and years and years. And while it's helped here and there, I need something more. I want to do EMDR. Can we do it right now? And she's like, no, we actually have to set some things up, but So I went back the very next time. And just like your your story said, within one session, there were things that had just infiltrated my life every single day that I sat and paused and thought about. And I'm like, I don't feel anything. Like it doesn't make it disappear, which I think some folks are afraid about. I I had somebody come up to me after a class one time and, and mentioned like she lost her young daughter to cancer. And she was afraid that if she did EMDR, that she was gonna forget about her daughter. And I had to share with her like, no, 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 no. The thing about EMDR for me was it separated the emotion from the event. Therefore, if a similar thing happened, I didn't experience that same emotional charge. And what I also realized is that I can't watch the shiny little stick go back and forth because I'm watching the cars go by and asking her if she got a new plant and and all these things. So what I had to do, which was successful for me, was she had this little box that had two wires and little paddles that went in each hand. And the vibration went from one side to the other. And that's bilateral stimulation, which again, uh, I don't know, Brad, if you can explain how and why that works if you can't no worries we'll get somebody on that can um but i will refer to it forever as my life-saving magic juju
1: so i i I liken this to like dumbing down right so we can we can talk about uh well i say that i'm very uh minimal when it comes to trauma uh clinical sorry i'm very minimal when it comes to clinical Viewpoints, clinical. Now I've read it, I've studied it. I don't get it. Um, yep. I'm, I'm just not that guy. I'm I'm smart in other ways. Uh, I'm kind of, well, I tell myself that. Maybe I'm not.
0: But <laughs> I, I, I believe myself.
1: <laughs> I believe. So, so I I I really just kind of simplify it. And maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I use this metaphor a lot. And and the metaphor, and and if you'll indulge me, this I'll give a this is I do my talks about EMDR. This is the metaphor that I use. I say our our mind is like a filing cabinet right and and this filing cabinet actually is an enormous cabinet of memories that we can pull the pull the drawer out and we can recall memories all the time these are memories of our childhood they're good some of them not so good you know i i broke my my arm. I I learned how to drive. I had my first kiss. I had my first date. Uh, all these little. I had my first. You know, whatever prom, uh, and and then you start moving into adulthood, and you start having these. Additionally, there's another another drawer full of uh, memories that you pull out, and uh, maybe some of those are traumatic. Some of some of them are not. But then you enter into first responder world. Okay, maybe it's something you've heard. Maybe it's something that you've uh, actually a belief system uh, that has run contradictory. Maybe it's a moral injury. Uh, maybe it's something that a survivor guilt, or it's the screaming. Just like, uh, and we're gonna call her, uh, for lack of a uh, better term, Jane. Okay, my my story that I told about Jane hearing the screams. We're gonna use that in this in this metaphor. So this filing cabinet of memories you pull it out and the screaming trauma that screaming scenario is a file that gets laid sideways on the cabinet and you can't close the drawer it, yep. the drawer won't close right it, 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 for some for some reason now what does that drawer not closing look like not sleeping uh not taking care of ourselves maybe we're not maybe we're not doing hygiene maybe we're not showering maybe we're not uh, taking good care of our relationships, it, it, albeit our, uh, our, our interpersonal relationships or our extended relationships, or maybe our kids, I don't have anything to do with our kids, or maybe at work, I'm getting kicked out, I keep running into discipline, I keep getting into trouble, or maybe we're drinking too much or we're abusing uh, certain substances. I'm just going to take this so I can go to sleep. Uh, And and guess what? We only sleep for three hours. Well, you know what? That's all I need in life. I just need three hours sleep. Bullshit. You need sleep. And sleep actually is where you process some of this. So uh, again, simplifying this with the filing cabinet metaphor, sleep is actually where where EMDR is, is Uh, is replicating this REM type uh, circadian rhythm sleep where you're processing the day's events where you're putting in and unpacking it and repacking it into this uh, filing cabinet where it's supposed to go. Well, guess what? Trauma is weird. Okay, and we can, we can get into this all, we, we, can, we can go as deep as you want to go with this, Tracy, because I love, absolutely love, love, love talking about this, because the more we can be educated about what's happening to us, doesn't matter if you're sitting in a chair behind the radio or if you're sitting in the seat of a patrol car or a fire engine, it's all, it's, it's, it's very similar in how it's unfolding. Right, so this, let's get back to the metaphor. So this filing cabinet, you have a file that's laid sideways and your file drawer is not closing. You're not sleeping, you're drinking too much. You're deteriorating relationships. You're getting kicked out of uh, blah, blah, blah. So EMDR does this. The process of EMDR picks that file up and puts it in the file cabinet where it's supposed to go. So you can actually close the file drawer. It doesn't make it go away. You'll all forever be able to pull that file out and say, "Oh, I remember that," yep. but it doesn't own me. It doesn't control me. It doesn't. It doesn't dictate how I'm actually going to live life. Which actually, on the other side of that, if you go back to before EMDR, it 100% dictates how you're going to live your life. It controls you. You may think, "Oh, I'm going to will this to to fruition." It does not control me. That's 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 BS. Case in point, and 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 before I before I use this, uh, I have permission to tell this story as well. But before I tell this, I I want to add: there's no time frame for EMDR to to be able to help you pack, unpack, and repack that uh, trauma or that experience or that belief structure. It, it, there's no time frame with it. Okay. Yeah, and before you,
0: before you get into that story. Um, what I had to do is there was this place. it was almost like you know, a record skipping where it would play for a little while and then it would just keep getting stuck at this this one spot. and and many people know that my biggest catalyst, the band-Aid that got ripped off and and opened up, you know, wounds that I had thought had healed uh, at the time in my life, I had to process him. He was the what like that's where I had to start. And then the way that I did it was I started there and I moved forward to meet me where I am now, cleaned up all that crap in the drawer. And then I circled back around and went back to the bottom drawer and started working my way up to that skipped part of the record. Right. So I think it's really good that you say that is, is that it's not, I mean, what EMDR did for me too, is it opened, um, other drawers that I didn't even know had, had messy files. And there were things that were triggering me from lots of different places in my life. And it was like, Oh, that's why I suddenly become psycho for no reason. Like that makes total sense. And then once you process it, it's like, you don't feel that anymore. And it's crazy. It's crazy
1: absolutely and what's great about it before i tell ed's story real quick and i'll keep it minimal but but to your point tracy what's great about this is, is you don't have to go in there and do this whole slobber uh vomit verb fest uh right. word vomit i should yep, say yep. word vomit fest with a clinician and most of the clinicians and look the clinicians who know and get us and let's let's talk about that here in just a little bit right uh, uh culturally competent clinicians uh, but the clinicians and the the mental health professionals that actually get us, they don't want to hear our stories either. They don't want to hear all that crap.
0: They want us well. Uh,
1: they want us well. They want us healthy. In fact, the mental health professionals that really get us, they're like, "Hey, let's get this person cleaned up and get them back in the game because I need them doing what they do best, which is yep. saving lives. I need them doing what they do best, which is making a difference within their community. I need them doing what they do best, which is taking care of me. That's the mental health professional, yep. right? So they say." I don't, I don't want to sit here for six months and listen to you talk all the time about how I wish I could have made a difference. No, let's get them emdr Let's get them back in the game. Uh, so you don't have to word vomit this whole thing every time you go in. And so, so a lot of the fear, a lot of the fear, my experience has been a lot of fear with the people who are l- maybe listening to this show and others is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to go see a counselor. I don't want to relive this. I lived it once. Why would I want to relive this again? Well, guess what? If you relive this just one or two more times using EMDR, guess what? You're going to sleep better. Your relationships are going to be better. You're going to have a healthier, more productive life. Okay, here's my story with Ed. Ed Smith, uh, Modesto, California officer, uh, 1973, he and a partner were walking up to the back of a house. His partner gets shot in the face. He has to lay with his dead partner for hours because they couldn't get a team over there to rescue him. Literally, Ed is laying cradling his friend for hours on end with no face. Okay, think about that. And I know I'm being really, really uh kind of ugly and, and I don't want to be insensitive uh because this is a very loving story. I'll tell you that right off the bat. But that's the reality of the work that we do, right? There's trauma. There's trauma that exists. Now, Ed 50 years later meets my co-founder Brett Key at a debrief a, at National Police Week. Ed becomes so triggered by what is being said that he leaves the room. He becomes impacted, leaves the room. Brett follows him out and says, sir, didn't know him. Says, sir, are you okay? He said, yeah, I just need a minute. Brett said, uh, well, let me have a conversation with you about what you're doing. He said, no, I don't want to talk about it. And Brett said, look, if you'll do me this favor, just go have a conversation with a friend of mine, not, and we don't use Mentals or mental health professionals, we say friends, and that's how we get to know our counselors. Hey, I want you to go spend some time with a friend of mine, and guess what? They were both veterans, so they made that connection. They were both law enforcement, so they made that connection, and uh, his name was Denny. Denny was an EMDR-trained mental health professional, and after one EMDR session, Ed could now go to the law enforcement wall could actually go to the Vietnam wall, which he had friends there too, without breaking down in tears. And, and, and there's a whole lot more to the story that's found. Oh, yeah. Okay, here's what's great about the story. No, No timeline on this EMDR being able to process and put in his filing cabinet that event correctly. Okay, here's where it gets great. So fast forward, that happened in May of 2017 in the fall of 2017, we were at a national conference and this little old lady walks up to my friend, Brett. She walks up to Brett and she says, Hey, are you Brett Key? And he says, yes, ma'am. I am. She said, my name is Gail. I'm Ed's wife. I just want to thank you for giving me my husband back.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: Tracy, 50 years later, this woman is saying, I finally got my husband back. If that's not a testimony to somebody saying, you know what? I don't wanna wait a minute longer. I wanna call somebody who's EMDR trained and I wanna deal with all the stuff going on in my head and my heart. There's no greater testimony than that right there for our loved ones. I say this all the time uh, to people that I'm working with. If you don't wanna do it for you, do it for the people you love. You know, Do it for the people who love you.
0: And- I, I cannot agree more. Um, when I was doing my my family saw a turnaround almost instantly. Like I was in this place of being short fused and not happy and snapping at people. And, and that is not who I am. And that that's not who I wanted to be. And I think it I, I'm glad you touched on the fact that you don't have to you don't necessarily have to go back there with verbally with your therapist. A lot of people have a miscommunicate, a misunderstanding about it where it's, I don't speak when I'm doing EMDR. My eyes are closed and I am thinking about whatever the event is in my head and the vibrations going back and forth between my two hands and she'll stop it. And then she'll ask me how I'm feeling and if I'm feeling okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll just give a quick example too, is I received an award one time with, with my husband and some co-instructors for our our Explorer post. The day was amazing. Amazing. There was, there was, there was nothing that went wrong. Like nobody upset me. Like there was absolutely nothing that went wrong. And later in the day, I felt like I was going to crawl out of my skin. Like, I just, I felt like I was anxious and I, I was, I don't know. I, I just I, I knew I would. I knew something was not right. And and my poor husband. I've told this story before, but it's it, it's such an important one for folks that haven't heard it. He's sitting next to me, eating watermelon, and I look at him and I'm like, "What the f are you eating?" And he's like, "Watermelon." And I'm like, "It sounds like you're eating a bucket of bolts." Like. <laughs> And, and I wanted to tear his face off. And it was like, it wasn't his fault. Like I realized in that moment, there was something that must have triggered me. And I can, I can now know the difference between a trigger response versus I'm just tired and cranky and being a beast. So I texted my therapist and I'm like, hey, I'm coming in hot. <laughs> Do you have any appointments? And she said, yeah, I had a cancellation. So she got me in like two hours. So I got in and I'm like, I don't know what happened. So we literally started, she said, okay, start when you got out of bed. Was everything good when you got out of bed? I said, yep. Okay. So now I I close my eyes and I start going through the day and I'm like, and she'll stop. And I'm like, all right. She's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. I was at the, uh, the award ceremony. I got to the place where we were at the award ceremony. Okay, great. We start going again. I get to to lunch. I drive home. We get home. My dog's there to greet me. She stops. She says, how are you? I said, so far so good. All right, let's keep going. So I start going, I walk into the bedroom and I walk past my husband who's getting changed out of his, his gear. And I walk through the bathroom, I come back out into the kitchen. I pour myself a drink. She says, how are you feeling? I'm like, I want to punch somebody. Like I literally felt the anxiety and like, like it, it was there. And she's like, all right, go back outside the bedroom door. So I go back outside the bedroom drawer, I walk back in and I look down and my husband's standing there in box of shorts and black socks. And I'm not gonna get into the details, but that was the trigger. For me, for something in my past, that was my trigger, box of shorts and black socks. And I've always hated black socks. And it's funny because when I realized why I hated black socks, I came home and I'm like, where are the black socks? Like, cause I processed it and it was like, okay, I know weird story, but that is what it does is that there's a lot of things that folks don't have an understanding of that had contributed to their messy drawer, if you will. Right. So,
1: so, so what, what really is important about your story the stories that we bring to the table here is that people uh, hear these and i personally believe uh, we make a difference in people's lives by the transparency that we are in uh executing the the passion that we have so the more we can tell these stories the more opportunities we have to just just put information in people's ears uh, and not the robotic information, like, you know, like in school, just yep. uh, the real stories of Ed and, and Jane and uh, Brad and Tracy and Kathy and Gary. And uh, these stories actually somewhere down the line, it's going to resonate with people and say, well, if Tracy did it, I can do it. If Ed did it 50 years later, I can do it. You know, I, I and that, and that really is a passion of mine as well, where you have all these old hands uh, that will come in and and tell you, well, you know it's good for those young bucks because if I'd had this information 20 years ago I'd have made a difference. But uh, you know I am who I am now. Well, guess what? you, you look at Ed. Yep. you know Ed, Ed's a great example of you know, he was in his 70s uh, and, and Ed uh, actually surrendered to it and that's that's what I wanted to say a while ago and I, I kind of lost my bearing with it but but Ed just just okay, lean into it. I just just take EMDR and lean into it. Uh, and to circle back to my point with where I was, I got sidetracked and got lost on there a little bit. Was if you, if anybody on here is listening and you think you're a candidate for EMDR, you are. Yep. Okay, it kind of goes back to you when I should leave. uh If you think, you know, I wonder if my trauma would fit. You know, I wonder. It's so cute. It just sits up here in my shoulder and terrorizes me all the time. I wonder if it'd be a good fit for EMDR. Yes, it, it would. Uh, go tell your clinician, I want to consider EMDR uh, as a a therapeutic technique for me. Guess what? If you don't have a mental health professional that is trained in EMDR, go find one. Yes. I, I only refer people to EMDR trained mentals. That's just part of my check that box. If you're not an EMDR trained mental, uh, in fact, one of the mentals actually that, that, I told you I took a team down, two suicides and a plan of duty death in 60 days. The mental health professional was there. She was not trained in EMDR. I literally got a message last night. She said, my EMDR training's tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. I'm so excited. Well, guess what? I'm excited for you because now you're actually going to start making a difference in your agency. Uh, It wasn't that you were making a difference before. You were. It was just at a snail's pace. Now you're actually going to make a difference at, at, at at an Olympic level. Uh, when, you, yeah. when
0: you look at like what you did you know being unwell imagine what you can do being well and yeah. you know i i know you and i could sit here and talk forever about this but we do have to go into the wrap up and i just want to share something uh i mentioned i was in carl's uh bunker room zoom party the other day talking about support groups and the guy rob that led it uh when we connected after and he said you know thanks for for pointing out dispatch i we just started chatting about our stories and how we got here and and he'll be on the podcast at some point too uh but he said he heard something somewhere and when it's not you saying I, I, I'd love to give credit to who said it. I don't know. But he he said that he had heard it before, is that when you share your story loudly, then maybe not so many are going to suffer in silence. And I just thought that that was super profound, uh, because whenever I feel like I shared too much, I didn't. And I know I, that I didn't. And while sharing may make some folks feel uncomfortable. I know that it's helping so many, just like you're doing and what you guys are doing at Warriors Rest. And I can't wait to see what us working together in the future looks like. But I so want to say thank you, Brad, for being here. I know lots of folks are going to get so much valuable information. And I just want to say I appreciate you.
1: Well, I want to add into this that that I'm I'm going to make it weird for just a minute because <laughs> in one of the one of the texts that I sent you, I told you I said, "Hey, I love you." Yeah. And I think you you made some reference to why or what does that mean or something. Uh, I I had an existential change uh, somewhere around 2012, which is uh, gives me the ability to love and not be weird about it. I yep. love people. I just really really love people. Me Call too. it a a spiritual platform, call it a faith platform, call it an emotional platform, I don't really care. It doesn't matter. But I I, I know in doing that, people get a little weirded out about it. I don't care. I don't really yep. care. But I I'll, I'll, I love that saying, but I'll frame it. Uh, Lieutenant Dirt, Colonel Dave Grossman, if you're not familiar with him, which I know you probably are. But if if you're not on here, look him up. He does the sheep, sheep, dog, and the wolf concept. He has some fabulous books. Um, but his saying is, uh, pain shared is pain divided. Joy shared is joy multiplied. I absolutely love That's awesome. that concept, which means we should endeavor to share the pain because guess what? It's spread across all of us. Yeah. We should endeavor to sit alongside people who could share our joy or guess what? We're going to bring you in and share the joy that we have. And you may not have, you may not have it. Guess what? We're going to give you ours. Uh, and, you you hang around those kind of people and your life's going to be beneficial from it so it say all that to say Tracy thank you so much for this opportunity uh I love getting on and and just chit-chatting with like-minded like-hearted people and you're amazing keep up the good work love what you're doing uh you're making a difference out there appreciate you you. my
0: friend you have a manageable day Thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another episode of entertaining, educational, and empowering interviews with public safety difference makers. Please like and follow me on social media at On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. Thank you, heroes. From the bottom of my blessed heart, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you. For more information on RapidSOS, our premier sponsor, and how you can get connected to the world's first emergency response data platform and better prepare and protect your family and community, visit RapidSOS.com today.